Welcome to our third segment of this afternoon's program. It is Sunday, the 19th of December, 2021. Uh, it is now 2.27 in the studio. Um, I'm your host, Kieran Murdoch. Good afternoon. Actually, I think I just removed the wrong person from the Zoom chat. Oh, dear. Uh, Peter, I'm about to remove you. I, I, I think I removed one of my uh, current guests instead. Terribly uh -huh. sorry. <laughs> um... Yes. Okay. So we're good to go with the second segment now. Um, yes, folks. Uh, welcome to our, th not the second segment, our third discussion, rather. Um, the aim of this discussion is to explore the issue of how the Hispanic community is treated in Antigua and Barbuda. Um, the uh, impetus for this discussion was a video that went viral this week where uh, a Hispanic gentleman was um, being arrested and subdued by a number of police officers. It was a very rough incident that played out. Uh, of course, he was interviewed by Observer afterwards. Uh, there were a number of reactions to that from within the Hispanic community uh, that complained of the issue of um, particularly uh, instances of, 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 of unfair and, and rough treatment by law enforcement officers. Um, and that sort of sparked more of a, a, a debate, a discussion, feedback on Facebook, feedback on the news articles uh, to do with the general perception and treatment of the Hispanic community in Antigua and Barbuda in general. Uh, so that really is the essence of our discussion this afternoon. Our main question for the discussion is how are members of the Hispanic community treated in Antigua and Barbuda. And as I said, we asked that in the context of um, the events of the last week in which there have been uh, many reports, many uh, uh, statements uh, that persons feel that there's often undue and unfair treatment meted out. Um, I'm going to introduce the panel now, of course. Uh, we're happy to be joined on this occasion by Mr. Avil Grant. He's a political and social commentator. Uh, of course, he has a keen interest not only in the affairs of Antigua and Barbuda, but, of course, the wider Caribbean. Uh, professionally, of course, he's a public health specialist. Uh, good afternoon to you, Mr. Avil Grant. How are you doing? Yes, sir. Not bad. Good afternoon to you, you and my colleagues and the listeners. Uh, we have as well joining us in Antigua and Barbuda, Miss Karina Shepard. Uh, Miss Karina Shepard is an Antiguan by birth, uh, whose parents are from the Dominican Republic. Uh, she was raised in Antigua, but she's also a citizen of the Dominican Republic. Uh, and she's a recent graduate of the University of the West Indies Five Islands, where she studied accounting. Uh, good afternoon to you, Miss Karina Shepard. How are you doing? Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon to you also. Thanks for having me. And we are joined finally by Mr. Oret Connor. Uh, Mr. Oret Connor is a retired civil servant, a retired senior civil servant, and a current media personality and social commentator from the Cayman Islands. Uh, Mr. Oret Connor, known as OC, uh, was formerly the chief immigration officer in the Caymans. Uh, he's also a former cabinet secretary and a former deputy supervisor of elections. Uh, presently, he's the host of a show, For the Record, which airs on Radio Cayman, which is a uh, public broadcaster in the Cayman Islands. Uh, good afternoon to you, Mr. Oret Connor. How are you doing? Afternoon, everyone. I'm fine. How are you? I am quite well, quite well, actually. Um, Mr. Avil Grant, uh, I wonder if I could begin with you. Um, the news of the week uh, surrounding uh, the arrest of that Hispanic gentleman and more so the commentary that would have played out afterwards. Uh, I'm just curious as for your, your general thoughts on um, the issue of uh, the Hispanic community in Antigua and Barbuda and the question of whether or not, as a, as a minority, they are at times subject to... Um, to, to, to unfair treatment or, 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 or just the general bad mind of other people? <laughs> I think the first part of it is that they are really uh, part of a subculture of the wider Antiguan and Barbudan society and culture. They have a very unique set of cultural practices around their music, um, some of their foods, the way they gather, they tend to cluster. Um, they live in, to a great extent in, in blocks, uh, sections of communities. In a lot of ways, they represent, they're represented 
um, almost uniquely as, 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 as a subculture. And because of that, I believe that I, it, there is, well, I shouldn't say because of that, but there, there is a tendency, not only in Antigua and Barbuda, but across uh, the Caribbean and elsewhere, to treat persons who are minority segments of the population um, with some difference, and sometimes negative difference. Sometimes uh, the kind of brutishness that is meted out to, to some people in, in some sections of the society is not necessarily meted out to the majority. Although I, I want to caution my own thoughts and the thoughts of others by saying, when you think of uh, alleged brutishness by, by members of the, of the security forces in Antigua and Barbuda, many native Antiguans, people who were born there, um, whose parents would have been from Antigua, may also tell you that they have found themselves in very rough set of circumstances um, when confronted by sections of the police force. So I don't, I don't want us to proceed on the assumption that it's only uh, uh, something that is relating to the Spanish, Hispanic community. It may be an issue that we need to discuss somewhere down the road in terms of what are the guidelines and protocols governing the way the police is required to intervene with anyone whom they wish to accost and arrest and whether or not these protocols and guidelines are being adhered to and were they adhered to in this in this context. But generally, my short answer is, I think if you're, if you're a minority, if you're an immigrant in Antigua and Barbuda, you can expect um, to be treated with negative deference sometimes. Um, I'm a quite well-respected member of that community. I'm Antiguan by choice. I'm of Jamaican, educated, born, bred in Jamaica. Uh, and I have come across instances when not at the hands of the police, but by the, at the hands of, of the average citizen, people would say things that suggest that I should mind my own business, keep out of Antigua and Barbuda business, and, um, and, and do me come here to do and focus. So, I, I mean, it is something that members of minorities in Antigua and Barbuda, whether you're Hispanic or otherwise, are likely to come across. In this instance, it flushes up on the horizon because a Hispanic man is allegedly being brutalized by members of the police force. But not, it's not only Hispanics that get that treatment from the police. Uh, Miss Karina Shepard, um, you know, just taking in all the, the news of the week, um, I, I'm curious for your maybe your specific reaction to the the arrest. Uh, just first of all, um, what you thought of the incident and, and and some of the sentiments that have come out since. When I saw the video, when I saw the aggression the officers had, I felt there was more to the story. That 40 second video didn't convince me that it was just for a mask. I, I, and when I saw the video, I saw somebody threw a bottle, a glass bottle to the officers. So I guess it was a situation where things were getting out of hand. And the officers, because when I heard the news, I heard Franklin Thomas, the public relations officer mm -hmm. of the police force. And he was referring to an incident that happened in Johnson Village with the Spanish community where they damaged a police vehicle. And he said that they were met with the same aggression in the incident that happened on Sunday. So I totally believe there's more to the story and it's not only Spanish people are treated like that, even our own fellow brothers and sisters in Antigua are treated like that by officers also. So I really think there's more to the story that what is being said. And it is, I, I will say this, that it is, um, it is a cautious thing, honestly, uh, in my experience commenting on um, uh, when, when you see these videos, because they, they often are elements that are not entirely clear to the viewers. Um, but... Um, 
on the face of it, uh, you know, we are free to, 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 to express our sentiments on what we saw. Um, no, and I, I also think, though, Kira, mm. the, the, the camera never blinks. And so even that 40 seconds should, should be instructive. Mm. Um, there are going to be sides, uh, elements of what's happening before or after or to the side of what the camera is seeing. But we, what we've seen, um, really, it does not appear doctored. Um, uh, so, so one has to assume that those 40 seconds tell a story, a valid story in and of themselves, for or against the police. Mm. Uh, uh, Mr. Oret Connor, um, what, what, what's your take, uh, at least on you know, some of the articles you've, you've, you've seen coming out of Antigua and Barbuda? Um, what, what's your take? Well, what I have, uh, some of what I have seen has to do again with us what some of the panelists have mentioned in relation to the fact that this does not seem to be an isolated incident. Uh, and it seems as if the Spanish community have had other complaints that may not have been heard or uh, given any attention in the past. And uh, one of the things that I would uh, like to look at and to discuss would be the sensitivities of the uh, police service in Antigua or any in any uh, enforcement agency in terms of the composition of their communities and also looking at the composition of those security services to see whether or not there is sufficient representation as far as the makeup of the population is concerned because Certainly there are in areas and there are times that may call for specific um, individuals to deal with a situation. Those persons who are familiar with communities, those persons who know the, uh, the communities, know the reactions that are likely to take place uh, based on, a, on the national origin of those persons that they're dealing with. All of those things, I believe, need to be um, assessed as well. Uh, and, I, and I will just mention some of the comments. I mean, you, 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 if you look at some of the comments online on the different stories that have reported on this, uh, you will find a difference of opinion. You, you, there are a lot of persons, for instance, I'm Observer published a video um, of the incident uh, alongside a, a, a later interview with the gentleman himself who, who was subject to the, to the arrest. Um, and, you know, there's a number of comments here. There are persons suggesting that, uh, you know, what took place was, was you know, in accordance. They suggest that, you know, uh, you know they, they, they're assuming basically that, you know, the person was resisting arrest and, and therefore, uh, or perhaps, uh, you know, did, did, did actions that warranted uh, such um, forceful uh, uh, dealing. Uh, there are other persons who are... Um, uh, chastising the police, uh, saying, you know, the I see a, a comment here that says, you know, I, uh, particularly in relation to black-suited officers, um, you know, when they're in that gear, the persons on that squad, uh, sometimes persons find that their tactics are quite forceful. Um, I see someone here commenting on the statement that the police public relations officer, um, Frankie Thomas, uh, would have given, um, saying that they weren't satisfied with the statement. Uh, so a, a difference of opinion. Uh, Mr. Grant, um I, I, I'm, I'm curious as to uh, what you think we ought to d do now uh, in, in, the, in the face of this uh, conversation, not a great national conversation, but a small conversation which has been started by this incident. Uh, what should we sort of learn from this and, and how can we go forward, do you think? Well, you know, there are best practices uh, uh, approach about how 
uh, <coughs> incidents involving uh, the police and the general public uh, are investigated. And, and I would assume that if, if, those, if those best practice uh, uh, guidelines are not a part of how these matters are investigated, they should be included. But firstly, and, and at the front of it is, I'm, I would imagine that the, the, the high command of the, of the police force, led by the commissioner himself, would take a keen interest in, in, in determining whether or not the existing protocols guiding um, how the, the police force or forces should treat with an incident like this has been observed. If they have been observed, then, then the police would be acting consistent with what the law and their, and their, and their police guidelines require. If they have been breached, then the officers involved ought to be brought to some kind of heel, some kind of justice uh, for it. It, we, it we, we can't get used to a society in which people get annoyed about, about a thing, we talk about it, and then we forget about it. What really happens in that kind of instance is that an old sore, a wound, gets healed with some scab, and we cover it, and, and, and it festers. And one of these days, if we do not fix these kind of issues, they will blow up. And there are many persons in Antigua and Barbuda who hadn't got much to lose, and they could be fueled for that kind of blow. So we really ought to make sure that these incidences are thoroughly investigated, that they are investigated in the context of existing protocols. And if the protocols are found to be weak and in, in, inadequate, they should be enhanced. But what the society needs to walk away from these kinds of incidents in that sense that due process has been carried out and that um, that the law has been applied. Uh, and, and coming back to you, Ms. Karina Shepard, um, for instance, I'm, I'm looking here, there was a letter published um, uh, by a writer who, who sent it into the Antigua newsroom. Um, some might characterize the letter as, as quite xenophobic, I don't know, but um, uh, the writer who only signed themselves as a, a true Antiguan and Barbudan, you can take from that, um, you know, their, their sort of sentiment. Um, they made the, the, the statement... Highly, highly nationalistic. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, they, they made the statement, quote, that the Spanish community has continued to drink, assemble, and party with immunity throughout the pandemic. And, and that is something which a lot of people say and repeat. Um, I personally, um, I, I, don't, I don't frequent um, uh, Spanish bars and, and, and such establishments and such areas for partying and, and drinking. So I can't say. I'm curious as to whether I'm curious as to whether you think there's any there's any uh, uh, truth or legitimacy to that that view that some people seem to have that um, that in particular uh, the the Hispanic community in Antigua and Barbuda um, has not uh, adhered to the protocols because it's something that we, we we've we, we've heard over and over throughout the pandemic. But I'm not able to separate if that is a, a, a an issue of fact or if that is uh, uh, something that falls into the stereotype and perception of Hispanics in Antigua and Barbuda. So what do you think, Ms. Shepard? Well, I don't frequently go to Spanish bar. I don't go to Spanish bar. But what I can do tell you is, yeah, they assemble. Also, Antiguans assemble, Jamaicans assemble, everybody assemble because we have the right to do so. They're right in the heart of the city in Tinder Road. They're not hiding. So I feel that they do follow protocols according to certain comments I was reading. People were saying, oh, anytime we pass there, we see them people have their masks on the mid-chain. So they're following protocols. It's not like they aren't. So it's something normal for everybody to assemble and enjoy themselves as long as they follow protocols. Um, I think that most of the issues that have arisen from the police force and the Hispanic community 
is stems from the cultural conflict. We can become a little bit of aggressive, but that's the nature of our culture. It's a way of expressing ourselves. I it happened to me personally. Um, I was be speaking with my friend, trying to make a point, being very passionate about it, and they think I'm arguing or trying to, you know, start a fight or anything. But no, that's something very normal for me at home. So I think that's something the police force should look at anytime they're gonna uh, um, approach a Spanish crowd. They should work with someone who speaks the language, so it can be a little better of a better interaction between the public and them. Uh, uh, Mr. Oret Connor, uh, I'm just curious um, what the sort of parallel situation may be in the Cayman Islands. What what sort of makeup do you have in terms of you know the different communities, the different groups within the, the country, and, and and maybe what frictions there may exist um, with 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 particular uh, migrants or, or immigrant groups? Uh, what, what, what could you how could you compare the Cayman Islands to Antigua and Barbuda in this instance? Uh, there, there are some comparisons. Uh, for instance, we have a population of about six to six, six to seven thousand. Out of that uh, population, thirty-seven thousand are Caymanian. What we—that's uh, what the term we use for our Cayman nationals, uh, Caymanians, and the other numbers are non-Caymanians. We have a strong historical connection with some countries in Central America, for instance, Honduras, which is Spanish speaking and maybe uh, some parts of it English speaking as well. We also have some strong connections with Cuba, uh, the Isle of Youth, Isla de Juventude. And uh, so we, we do have people here with connections to the Cayman Islands, you know, from there. We have a large Filipino population here as well, and uh, they have been subjected, as well as Jamaican, uh, a huge, large population of Jamaicans. Jamaicans make up the, the largest percentage of non-Caymanians in our, in our workforce. And they, at some point in time, have all been the subject of either ridicule or complaints in terms of their lifestyle, um, in terms of job opportunities even, in terms of the movement of money out of the Cayman Islands to those countries based on, on their work. Uh, so so we, we, we do have that experience here in the Cayman Islands. Um, what we have been fortunate, and I'm not in a position to, to, to give advice to the um, Antiguan government or their uh, police service, but I see this as a learning opportunity for Antigua and an opportunity for them to try uh, to build bridges to these communities because the situation could get worse, it could escalate. And what you really don't want to have is you don't want to have two Antiguans uh, at the end of the day, two Antiguas. You want to have a united Antigua. and. As a result of that, you need, need to build bridges. It is not easy, but it, it, it certainly can be done. But here in the Cayman Islands, we have our challenges as well. There are certain things that we blame, we blame on others. And it's a matter of understanding their culture. But also I think what is important is those persons who are within the country in 
from a legal standpoint, they need you need to try to inter, integrate them into your society as well. You could have, for instance, if there are work permit requirements or for citizenship, uh, they, they, there could be classes in relation to being an Antiguan, what is expected uh, you know, of them as well. But uh, like I said, it is an opportunity that Antigua can certainly take advantage of. Uh, and uh, Mr. Grant, just forgive me for a second because I want to go back to Miss um, Miss Karina Shepard just for a moment. Well, that's fine. Uh, Ms. Shepard, I want to ask you. Um, uh, there's a, again another comment I'm, I'm looking at in this letter uh, that was published on ANR, uh, and it 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 basically suggests that um, our Hispanic community in Antigua and Barbuda uh, is a close knit community uh, that that often associates uh, with each other and with themselves. But I'm 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 wondering if that is is, is perhaps a consequence of simply a language barrier. Uh, I mean, it's 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 quite natural for any for any migrant community in any country around the world to find comfort in. Uh, 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 building strong relations uh, with uh, uh, themselves with, within a group, mm-hmm. um, but also there is the added issue of um, whether or not we're all speaking the same language. So, uh, if it is that there is a language barrier, it would be normal uh, for persons to to associate. But 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 what is what is your what is your take on how language and the 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 speaking of Spanish and the speaking of English affect how um, the Hispanic community in Antigua and Barbuda is received by uh, everyone else? Um, most time we do feel discriminated because some people don't know the language. They cannot communicate effectively. They will defend themselves little by little. For example, my mother, my mother has 30 years in Antigua and she doesn't speak English, unfortunately. I try to teach her, but it's not easy, you know? So everyone, we, we are very united community and we try our best. We, we open to other people. They are very friendly person. They're very loving. I can tell you that about Spanish people. They have received me, received me as their own. So I feel that the language barrier is a big issue in the island. I think we should start, we're in an English country. So I feel is we have to learn English because we're in an English country. And I learned my first language was Spanish and I had to learn English to communicate not only for myself, but for my family because they don't speak English. So I think the language barrier is a big problem right now. And as much people come in, they learn, for example, young, if they're young and they come to Antigua, they will learn the English by a year. But if they are older, it's harder for them. And sometimes they feel that they are discriminated for that way. It can either be an immigration, it can either be through the police, because they, they will police will ask them questions and they will be like, I don't pick his English, you know, and the police might think, okay, they're just trying to hide that because they don't want to answer my question. So the job get harder for the police also. So I think it's a big issue. And Mr. Arville Grant, that, that language barrier can be a, a, a broader issue that leads to, to other problems. For instance, I mean, I imagine if you're doing business um, in, in, in a society and, you know, your English is not best, uh, it might make it easier for persons to, to you know, one-up you sometimes, to take advantage. Um, but in, in different ways, I just wonder what you, you think of how the language barrier impacts the reception of, of, of this community in Antigua and Barbuda. Well, let's let's go back to ground zero. That 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 point you read from that quote in in the publication that says that the Spanish people are always parking during COVID time. The huge question that we must answer is to what extent they are as okay with the English-based COVID guidelines and restrictions 
as those of us who speak English instinctively would be. And if they are not as open, they're not intricately hooked up to it by use of their own mother tongue, um, then uh, you can see why if they, if they flirted in any way, some person may have flirted the, the guidelines, and I'm not saying they have, but I can see how a language gap uh, could drive uh, that kind of perception. The, the key thing here, though, is that they, my, my Spanish brothers and sisters in Antigua and Barbuda are taxpayers. They buy food and drink and clothes and everything else on which they pay ABST. We collect their taxes. We have a duty to ensure that they are integrated. And if, if it means ensuring that all of the public notices that are published for the consumption of English-speaking people are also available in Spanish, and that's what it takes. They are taxpayers. And I might add, let's get off the backs of the Hispanics. The Chinese don't mix with us. The people from the Middle East don't mix with us. A lot of people who are Europeans and, 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 and Caucasian tend to cluster with themselves. I think we need to give black and brown people a break with these matters and, and reach out to them in, in Burma the same way we reach out to those other cultures whom we tend to believe are superior. We really have to get with it. Uh, I would also ask you at the same time, Mr. Grant, because um, it's just occurred to me um, in thinking about um, some comments from the last segment to do with the United States. Uh, when you are a community uh, being policed by individuals who are not members of your community, that in itself can create some tension, that you don't really share uh, a sort of uh, ethnic, cultural uh, experience connection with the persons who are your uh, um, your, your rule makers, your lawmakers, your 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 rule administrators, your enforcers, and that in itself can create a a sort of a feeling of us versus them on both sides. Would you agree? Yes, and the, my colleague from the Cayman Island made a point of disaggregating by percentage the number of Caymanian nationals. I think he's, he's referring to versus immigrants, um, and it looks like thirty-seven thousand to thirty thousand. The question here is to what extent, if we disaggregated the Antiguan population along those lines, to what extent does the police force and the security forces in Antigua and Barbuda look like the society over which they're presiding, culturally uh, and, and otherwise? To what extent um, is the police force sufficiently inhabited by people with a Spanish-speaking understanding? Uh, and similarly across the board for other large segments of the, of the Jamaicans, the Guyanese, the people from the Commonwealth of Dominica and so on. Because unless you have an instinctive cultural understanding of how people are likely to think and operate in a certain context, that is a recipe for misunderstanding. And in the context of a misunderstanding, the person with the power has the capacity to exercise extreme brutishness against the people without the power. And, and so I, I, I completely uh, agree with the sense that, um, you know, you, you, you are at a complete disadvantage if your master, so to speak, or the person who is enforcing has the potential to enforce violence against you, so to speak, is very different from you in terms of language, in terms of cultural understanding. And perhaps a time will come when we will see, if, to the extent that it is not now the case, but we'll see a significant integration, um, uh, inclusiveness. Um, those are important themes in modern civilization. 
inclusiveness in the in the in the, in, in, in the police services and certainly in the defense force services and other aspects of, of society in Antigua and Barbuda. I certainly think that we have the potential to do that, and uh, but it can't be done in the short term. It has to become policy, it has to be legislated, and it has to be funded for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I think people who come to Antigua and Barbuda have a duty to, to work hard to have themselves integrated, to grasp the language, to understand the civics of the country and to work out what are mainstream values in the society of Antigua and Barbuda and work over time to comply with those. Uh, Mr. Oret Connor, uh, of course, um, I was happy to have you on this discussion, of course, because uh, nothing that goes on in Antigua is, is well, I shouldn't say nothing, but m most things are not unique to Antigua. And the issue of, of friction between uh, 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 groups in society, particularly in the, the, the context of uh, immigration, is uh, nothing unique to Antigua and Barbuda. Uh, we see it all around the world. Um, and so I'm curious, what do you think is at the heart of, 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 of that issue? All around the world, when you, you see a, 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 a group migrate to a country, um, you know, their roots may go back many, many years, um, but there are distinguishing features of that group that set them apart from the, the, the rest of, of society. Um, and there is friction between that group and society. What, 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 what sort of is at the heart of this issue in any instance where it may occur, though, though the, the reasons may differ? Sure. It, it's not unusual for the dominant culture to want others within the community to adhere to their position, to um, adhere to their practices. I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong, but it is a, it's a reality. Um, so you find people going into stores, uh, talking to people, unable to communicate in the native language and people will have the feeling well why they're here in the cayman islands why don't they learn to speak english as a matter of fact uh in the cayman islands if you are a work permit holder if you non-caymanian and you require a work permit in the cayman islands and you're coming from a non-english speaking country you're required to undergo, undertake uh, language tests, and you have to show that you have sufficient command of the English language in order for you to be able to get that work permit. Um, Mr. Grant, I, I, I certainly, um, I hear him, and I agree with uh, so many things that he has said uh, in, in relation to minorities, in countries, Miss um, Shepherd, her whole issue about the language situation is extremely, extremely important um, as well. Because while we, the dominant culture may want others to adhere to their principles and practices, I don't believe that we should feel that we should subdue that other culture as well. I lived in the United States for 15 years, and we certainly had our little Caymanian community uh, in, in New York where we had our parties. Uh, we got together because you find yourself as a minority in a country, and you at least want to identify and to 
communicate with those who are like you. So that is not unusual as well. What I said earlier about, um, about this is a learning opportunity, a good opportunity for the people of, of Antigua, I don't know whether or not there are any sort of structures set up, any sort of outreach programs for those um, communities in Antigua who feel that they are marginalized. And this is an opportunity to, to do that. Again, uh, like uh, Mr. Grant said, we need to look at those services that we provide and to see whether or not there's sufficient representation of those minorities in that country as well. It is extremely, extremely important. Uh, notices, uh, bulletins that go out in, in Canada, for instance, uh, everything is not only written in English, but it also has to be written in French. Uh, some people may take uh, an aff uh, affront to that and say, well, why should we have to publish uh, things in Spanish and we're the dominant um, majority? It had, all has to do with sensitivities, and we want to treat people the same way that we would want to be treated if we were foreigners in another country. Uh, we are coming down to the end of the segment. Uh, Ms. Karina Shepard, uh, one issue I, I did want to touch on, I didn't even re realize time had run out so fast, but one issue I did want to touch on, uh, in speaking to persons um, for this segment, I, I also got the sense of how sometimes, um, in some instances, I mean, I don't know to what extent it's, it's, it's so broad, but in some instances, the issue of colorism and racism can come into play in terms of how um, uh, persons in Antigua may perceive uh, different uh, uh, migrant groups and communities. I mean, someone actually told me point blank that um, if you are uh, of a darker skin complexion, even though you are Hispanic, uh, you are less likely to be singled out, uh, uh, maybe ridiculed, maybe picked on um, by other Antiguans in Antiguan Barbuda, as opposed to if you have visibly... Um, uh, um, uh, Amerindian or, 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 or white ancestry, you know, you, you, you're lighter skin, you, you, you look a, a, different, um, a different way. Uh, have you observed that to be the case? And what is your view on that? Observe, I have lived it. I am light skin, but I consider myself as an Antiguan, and I was treated very bad in school. Um, between my primary and secondary school, they would tell me, oh, back, go back to Santo Domingo. But I just look at them and I just feel that it's something they learn from big people, from their parents, from home. It was just a hate that just grew from home to me, to my understanding, because why are young children telling me go back to my country, to a country I was not born in when I consider myself an Antiguan. So I feel that it's something that roots from home, of course. Now, I think that Antigua has grown a little bit their mentality now that they migrated to other places. And I think that it's not the same situation now because I'm not being discriminated now in that aspect. Maybe because now I can defend myself now that I speak English. But I know a lot of people do go through that. And I think we have to grow from that mentality. We need to be better. We are all humans. So... It's something we it doesn't fix in one day or two days. It takes, you know, years, but we can get there. 
So, Mr. Uh, coming to you, Mr. Grant, um, a final round for you. I do want to get your take on this issue, the issue of colorism. Uh, perhaps oh, even the colorism plus the, the, the language barrier presents uh, uh, some sort of mix where, um, you know, singling persons out and treating them not too well becomes so much easier. Yeah, I, I think, we, <laughs> you know, people, the gradation of skin, skin color, um, even within particular ethnic groups, uh, have a very powerful influence on how people determine their relationship with others. And so, uh, and we see it in, 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 in the black and brown community, we see the fair bit where people, uh, some people resort to bleaching to try and, 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 and aspire to another level in their mind. But certainly it's something that we need to be very conscious of, uh, something that we need to uh, not be brutish about. We, we really have to understand that if somebody chooses to, to change the color of their skin, it, is, it has something to do with the state of their mental understanding of who they are, and we need to work on ensuring that we understand ourselves better. But yes, that, that thing about whether you're darker or lighter can play for you positively in one set of instances and quite negatively in another set of instances. If you go into some parts of, say, rural Haiti and you, your complexion is too light, you're at a significant disadvantage because people think of you as blah. Um, and those people who have gone there would know that what that means. Uh, and, and if you're darker, the community embraces you quite nicely. Whereas if, you end up, if you're in Port-au-Prince, um, it's the very opposite uh, because it's, it's the ruling class there is is, is, is more white than black. And, and I would suspect if we look in Antigua and Barbuda itself, we will notice that some people um, take to bleaching and it says something about how they understand their blackness, uh, whereas others have absolutely no issues with it. So I would say, again, that the matter we've discussed uh, in this segment at the core had to do with the relationship between the police and the people. And I think the police, because it has the, the instruments of violence in its hands, it had the power to command and control the population, has a duty of care to ensure that it treats with the population in a manner that is fair and consistent with the protocols and laws governing policing in Antigua and Barbuda. And when the results say, for example, of this matter is, when it's investigated and the findings are had, it should be published so that people can get a sense of closure if closure can be had on it. Or these things will continue to fester and it could lead to the destruction of our culture. I'm going to have to end it there because we are significantly over time. I want to say thank you to all three of our guests. I really did enjoy this conversation this afternoon. Um, we were joined, of course, folks, by Mr. Arvil Grant, political and social commentator. Uh, we were joined by Ms. Karina Shepard. Uh, she's an Antiguan by birth whose parents are from the Dominican Republic. Uh, she's also a recent graduate of the UE5 Islands. Um, and we were also joined by Mr. Oret Connor. He is a uh, media personality in the Cayman Islands. He's also the former uh, chief immigration officer there. Uh, good up. Good afternoon, sorry. Thank you to all three of you for joining us this afternoon. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.